You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have Mark Halm, an exceptional guest, real estate investor out of Kentucky, focused on scaling self-storage facility. Please help, please help me to welcome our guest. How are you, Mark? Uh, great. It's good to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share what I may or may not know about self-storage with you. Your, your, your background is really super impressive and for to stick with self-storage for more than 30 years now, but I would like to start with the beginning for uh, you to choose self-storage other than all of the other um, commercial spaces. What was the upside for you for the self-storage? Well, um, just a little story, I guess. My, um, my entry point into self-storage was as a, a real estate broker. I'm a, I was, I'm a commercial real estate broker, still am, sitting in a real estate company office here. But um, I was a commercial broker, and I just received, went through the long process of getting my CCIM designation. And within a week of getting that designation, I got a phone call from uh, the acquisition director of a storage REIT back in, I think it was May 1995. Now, in May 1995, I was primarily in the office business, wore suit and tie every day, had a, a management company. Basically, I sold office buildings to investors, managed the office buildings, leased the office buildings, did value add plays, and then either continued managing them, them or reselling them. So uh, when I got this call from the storage uh, um um, acquisition director. It seemed like storage, my relationship to storage was, it was kind of a pretty stupid little business for small people. Mm. And I was actually surprised that there were storage REITs. I'd never really looked into it. Mm. But when a uh, person asks a real estate agent, if they can help you find real estate, there's usually one answer and the answer is yes. So I went out with this uh, director and started showing himself storage in our market. And um, it didn't take me long to really get what I was showing and what I was looking at. Um, what I saw was that, uh, in essence, self-storage was is a concrete slab and a steel wall. Hmm. You know, I also brokered other real estate with concrete slabs and steel walls called warehouse. Mm. Warehouse was getting three fifty to four dollars a square foot rent. What I saw was self storage was getting back then nine to twelve dollars a square foot in rent. What I saw was that uh, self storage these guys didn't have any tenant improvement costs. They mm. didn't have any commissions to pay. When they hit stabilization, their cash flow was pretty steady and pretty predictable. And there were very few uh, pressures below the net operating income line. In the office business, um, you know, we were fairly good. We would renew about 86 to 88% of our tenants in any given year as they rolled. And uh, when we renew them, we probably spend five bucks a foot 
uh, you know, for commissions, refurbish their space. What it, that's about what it costs to renew a lease. Hmm. When that office tenant moved out, I mean, it was nothing to spend tw- back then 20, 25 bucks a foot to put a new tenant in place. Shoot would come out the window, dumpster would be set in the alley, walls would be coming down that chute, new walls would go up. Um, and I saw none of that in storage. In essence, I saw a steel wall and a concrete floor generating apartment type rents, but with none of the ongoing capital expenses that really bang into your opera to your net income. So I tried to figure out how a guy like me could get in. Okay, and this is back to 1995. And what was besides this, like, um, what was that? Uh initial step for you to really get in you mentioned that this was uh, the main upside but how you started and what was uh, the obstacles on on the beginning for you to to scale up well um it took me a number of years when i, I brokered a number of deals and i got to see uh, I, I i didn't do my first self-storage deal for myself till i till 1999 So for a few years, I was brokering deals, working with this REIT and a couple of others um, over time. And uh, I got to see how they operated. I got to see a lot of things, how they analyze it. Um, and uh, so I finally figured out, tried to figure out how I could get in it. Now, I had a couple problems. One is I didn't have any money. Yeah. Um, I lived a pretty good lifestyle, but my income was would come and go. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of money saved up. And two, I couldn't really sign on a big loan. Mm. Uh, so those were my, but I, I looked at what I did have and my, I had a, the ability to find deals and analyze deals. Mm. And um, I was able to put together a, a company. I could manage the deals because mm. I'd work with these REITs and saw how they did this. So i just built on my strength. So what I would do is I would, uh, I'd find a deal, I'd get it under contract and situated. Um, I had, I went out and I, I found operating partners, partners who had a stronger net worth than me, but were still looking to create some wealth. Uh, and they saw storage as a way to do it. So we were the ones that signed on the loans and we managed them. And then I would go find investors. I'd get the deal back then. I'd get the deal under contract, then scramble out, find investors, raise 20, 25%, bring that money in, and then close on the deals. Okay, so you started the whole team from scratch. You you and your partner was a por- operational partner and then looking for passive investors. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my, question, my next question will be, uh, what was uh, your approach du- during the... 20 as uh, downturns, the market downturns, it did affect the self-storage um, market or not? Well, what happened, my, for what it's worth, not that it's that interesting, but my little history is I put together in the early 2000s a portfolio, and then um, I, uh, I was out of the business real quick. We had received some unsolicited offers for, from some REITs. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I didn't want to sell, but the way I was organized was the majority 
voted and we were getting offers in 2004, 2005 uh, values I had projected way out. So I found myself out of the storage business as quick as I got in it. So it took me a while. I did other things and I finally decided in 2007 of all years to get back in self-storage. So I put together my first deal, closed on it, February 2008. Look, not a good time to be closing on real estate. My my conduit loan evaporated. I heard terms I'd never heard before, like your funding is gone. I'd never heard terms like that from lenders. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is back when Lehman was going belly up. So I we scrambled and closed on a deal. And I, I got back into business in 2008 mm. of all years to get back in. And here's what I saw. Um, what I saw was, yes, our occupancy went down. Mm. Our occupancy went down from, let's say, 88 89% to maybe 84%. Not bad. Um, we spent a little more time on collections than we normally would hmm. but all in all storage the fact it's kind of the problem not the problem the challenge today was self-storage self-storage performed um you know great during, during the recession. downturns yeah during uh, of the big great recession in fact if they're in in the commercial real estate world there were three real estate assets that performed well one was medical office, hmm. which is what, you know, two, three hundred dollars a square foot, a lot of capital improvements. Hmm. Uh, student housing performed well hmm. during the, again, those are like building resorts hmm. um, and, and, and self-storage. Not multifamily. Uh, multifamily did okay. Uh, but it wasn't stellar like it wasn't getting the returns that uh, th those three commercial real estate assets were. Okay. So, but what happened was it performed so well comparatively hmm. that uh, a lot of institute it caught the eye of institutional investors. Hmm. And from the recovery on, now you've got massive amounts of capital. Uh, out there coming into the self-storage space, uh, driving prices high, cap rates low, and it made it a little more challenging for, you know, not impossible because uh, I grew during that time period, but it made it uh, a lot more challenging and, and thinned out our yields a little bit. So, uh Right now, what is your target market around? Like you're from Kentucky, but do you only um, focus on Kentucky market or all over the state? Oh no, we've we've kind of we picked up a section, a couple sections of the country, uh, the southeast and southwest, uh, mm -hmm. based primarily, you know, as our business strategy. Uh, not that it's the the business strategy, just happened to be ours. Now we have sold most of our portfolio. I'm doing a couple deals now, uh, but we're, we've sold most of ours to um, to REITs and and funds simply because the pricing was so so high. So right now, what we're doing is we're focused more on conversions. 
Hmm. It's, it's even hard for me to do expansions. Our bread and butter was buying a small mom and pop 25,000 square foot facility, then expanding it, let's say to 50,000, getting it up and running. And at that point, we'd either refinance it and put a non-recourse loan on it, just keep it, or we would at that time sell it. Mm. And we would, mostly after we did our value add plays, we would have, you know, institutional buyers lined up to buy them. And so Mm. for the most part, we sold them which wasn't part of our initial strategy, but you adjust to the market. So yeah. right now we're finding that uh, the conversions um, where you basically take and repurpose an existing building and maybe add to it uh, expansions, if you can find them, although they're hard to find now because the pricing is so high uh, and going in smaller secondary second tier, third tier type markets is Mm -hmm. where we're finding the opportunities, at least for us that we're looking at. The other thing we're looking heavily at and and actively engaged in is doing some large boat and RV storage projects. Where? Where you focus? Uh, uh, Our focus here would be in Kentucky simply because to learn to learn it and do it and we have a lot of recreation here and in florida so you mentioned that you, you your strategy was mainly on creating or adding value uh, i think what was a creative way to create more income besides adding value when you trying to add more uh, value to your uh, project especially on self-storage you mentioned one of this one of this is uh, getting the a different uh, value from the actual existing mom and dad self-storage adding more units and then selling to REITs is any other strategies you did over the years to add more value to to your self-storage project well typically we we will expand them but here's what we notice mostly not always but i would say 90 to 95 percent of the time what we purchased is from people who just own one facility, Hmm. Um, mom and pop people. It's, um, and what we found was that, uh, especially people who got into business in the eighties, seventies, early nineties, what happens is they get very complacent with their cash flow. Hmm. In other words, they don't raise rents very much. Hmm. Um, now there's been a lot of education on the value of raising rents and we see more people, you know, trying to catch up with the market now, but what our experience is the majority of projects that we bought, the rent rates are 20, 30, sometimes 50% below what the current market is. Oh. Um, and, and what happens is these people get, they don't want to quote lose tenants hmm. where I like losing tenants if I can, if I know I can replace them with more expensive, you know, people yeah. who will pay more yeah. money, yeah. pay the market rate. Uh, the other thing that we've done is we've added, we typically will add other uh, income streams. Mm. Um, very often, mom, in the, I would say five, six years ago, the, the majority of the people we bought from didn't have U-Haul, for example. And I know U-Haul can be, they would say U-Haul is a pain and, and we get upset customers and we have no control over it. And 
I would just shake my head and all that's <laughs> true. But, you know, I have one facility that we made 60 to 65,000 a year in U-Haul commissions. Oh, okay. uh, that goes straight to the bottom line. Uh, the other thing that's been a big boon for us that I was slower than I should have been to because, because I was scared was <laughs> tenant insurance. Okay. Yeah. Making tenant insurance mandatory. Um, I always thought that we would lose a lot of rentals and it was our quote competitive edge, but the reality was. I was just fearful to implement it because it seemed like a lot of money to me, but mm -hmm. it's adding, you know, 10 to $20,000 a year worth mm -hmm. of income to us. Plus, if we ever have a problem, believe me, you, you want to have tenants, they have tenant insurance. Yeah. 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 But it's why is you like getting more income from uh, tenants to pay uh, tenants insurance? Because it's lowering your insurance, correct? No, no. Uh, in the self-storage business, so let's say that uh, I have a roof leak. Okay. My the, my building insurance will not cover. Yeah. No, nobody's building insurance will cover the contents being stored by the tenants. Correct. Uh, if a tornado or a hurricane, we have a lot in Florida along the coast, Carolinas, mm -hmm. uh, hurricane comes through. Um, blows the building away blows everything they own away and that are everything they're storing in that unit away mm. our insurance won't cover that 100%. now their homeowners quote will but we 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 educate them like you don't you don't want to make a claim on your homeowner's insurance so mm. for example uh when katrina hit in new orleans um within a week um you know Bader, that was the initial insurance company we used. Within a week, Bader had cables set up, mm. cutting checks to people who had tenant insurance. Mm. Uh, people who made a claim on their homeowner's insurance, they spent years fighting to get, mm. you know, claims on it. So it, it, the tenant insurance is a real win-win. Mm. Uh, so we, we ended up making it. Maybe how, how we do it is your, your goods have to be insured. Now, we're going to charge you tenant insurance. Now, if you want to go get a declaration page from your homeowner's insurance showing us your goods are insured in our facility, we'll remove it. Mm, 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 no, that doesn't I, make sense. I, I can count on one hand the number of people that actually do that in a facility. Oh, okay. So that's how that, but what the, the upside was that we ended up being able to add, you know, on average about 12 to $15,000, a huge, big facilities is even more, mm. but 12 to $15,000 a year per facility, straight to the bottom line. Because I got no, because I got no, I got no expense to it. Yeah. 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 One of the things right now is uh, almost, um, I think one of the things that you mentioned that the the last five years was a more like like a, a a seller market. That's why you sold almost all of, as you mentioned, all of your portfolio to REITs. But right now, whereas we have like a buyer market, and the main issue right now is the uncertainty with 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 the lenders. So, what is your current uh, approach uh, with the lenders and buying deals, especially that we're 
in a middle of recession. Uh, so what is your action right now with, with the market? Well, we're not noticing it yet in the storage world here. Mm. So interest rates have gone up. Uh, the two-year, I mean, there is an, a curve on the treasury notes yeah. that will, that quote, indicate recession. But there are some other key recession indicators that aren't present, or at least aren't present here. Uh, unemployment is still at a historic low in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, three point something percent. Last year in June, last month in June, there were over 372,000 new jobs. Now, they might not be the highest paying jobs necessarily, but there is, we have jobs being created. We have low unemployment. Mm. Household debt in the U.S. is at a historic low to income. Mm. Uh, so a lot of the normal recession indicators that aren't there. Now, interest rates are have risen. They, they rose 150 basis points. What Fed says that we're going to be uh, expecting another 0.75. But that doesn't, I mean, interest rates have gone up for small investors, but that doesn't necessarily equate exactly when you go to a local bank. A lot of the banks have a, a lot of money on their uh, balance sheets to yeah. spend. And so even though rates have gone, I don't see an exact tick up in the interest rate quotes yet from a lot of the banks that we use to match exactly what the Fed's doing. And also with a decade of cap rate compression uh, in the storage space, um, I, I've seen a little bit of nudging on some properties, but there's still a ton of money chasing self-storage mm. right now. So it's helped. That's keeping the downward pressure on the cap rate. So I haven't seen a whole lot of movement yet on, uh, I still see a lot of deals being done. I mean, if you're uh, running a fund and you got to get $50 million out the door in the next quarter, because mm -hmm. you owe money on it, you're going to do deals. You're just, yeah. you're going to, so a lot of transactions, yes, it's slowed a little bit, but at least where I'm in the world I traffic in, I haven't seen, uh, there's still a lot of deals happening. Now I'm waiting for the cooling off because that will actually help me a little bit. But it's still a pretty hot market. I think this is, this is I, want, I want to focus on this part because some people doesn't understand the difference on the return on investment between the self-storage and uh, multifamily because in the multifamily business right now all of the available leads around IRR around 15 to 16 percent maximum so right now on the market how you can like describe the internal rate of return for um, a self-storage business and the total uh, within five to six years um, uh, equity multiplier how you can like compare apple to apple here between self-storage and multifamily well multifamily is hot but it uh right now on a five year uh five to six year i would probably be at you know 
15 on the low end, 18 on the high end okay. internal on the average storage deal I'm doing. Okay. Um, um, and the re it, 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 if storage has a downside, I don't know it, it, what it is, it's slow. So mm -hmm. when I'm, you're doing a multifamily deal, I mean, how long does it take you to lease up? It tends to be fairly quick with storage. It, takes third on the average facility it takes 30 to 36 months to hit stabilization hmm. on self-storage it tends to lease up slower so um if we're you know building or doing a you know adding 25 50,000 square feet i've got to build in two or three years in there hmm. to hit stabilization so um i'm getting you know, 22% to 25% internal rate of return on my 10 year, you know, on a 10 year cash flow statement, I'm getting, you know, 15, 18 on six. Oh, okay. 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 This is, I think, one of the main things about stabilization after adding value between uh, multifamily and self storage. Uh, I want to highlight something else that uh, I want to highlight about your book. Can you talk about a little bit about your book? Well, a little, little old now. I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> it was published, published in 2015. But yeah. um, my goal was, um, um, well, first of all, I was raising a lot of money back mm. in 2015. So mm. I thought by writing a book, it would help establish me as um, somewhat as, you know, somebody knows what they're talking about. But it's it's really opened the, it's really helped me a lot opened a lot of doors. I wrote the book and basically um, how do I put it? Storage can be a boring business once you're stabilized. It's I mean there ain't a lot happening. I mean it's a pretty it's it's a yawn. Um, but I found out investors like that. So uh, I ended up uh, I wrote a book and I tried to explain to the small investor how you know, how I got in, uh, what mistakes I've made and what I would do different. And, and, uh, so I, I didn't, so I, I tried to make, I would talk about a concept of, let's say, uh, internal rate of return or how to analyze a property or, you know, what's the, how, what's the difference in analyzing self-storage to, uh, to another real estate asset. And then I would, the next chapter would be like a a story i was i'd done a tr number of transactions by then but i took one deal and i would translate that into a story that's kind of a narrative on how i applied that concept in a transaction so the book was a combination of a my story plus introducing concepts and um you know i still sell every month i'm pleasantly surprised there's not need... a lot of books uh, about self-storage to be honest and what your book is one of the best book i see on i see on the market i think uh, well thank you thank yeah. you um and i try to even when i'm work coaching some of the things i do is i i sell training and uh financial analysis software but i also do coaching but i i try to sh share everything i know uh, about it i don't try to hold back or uh, I don't view um, people as competition, potential competition. I've just found that if you, in life, 
in particular, but in business, I mean, life in general, business in particular, if you share what you know in our, you know, an open book, mm. so to speak, um, it always comes back to you multifold. So um, I, I tried to share at the time I wrote it, and even today, I try to share everything I know about it, about the business. And uh, I still think it's the best business and particularly the best real estate play for the small investor. It's the lowest foreclosed on asset class there is. You uh, can predict your cash flow more accurately than with anything else. Once you're stabilized, there's just, I've never seen a project go, let's say from 90% to 50%. I've never seen a project that was stabilized go bankrupt. I mean, they're probably out there, but I've never seen it. And I don't know anybody else who's seen one. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, it just doesn't happen in storage. Right? I haven't seen, I've gone from, you know, 93% to 85% when yeah, somebody opens next door, but yeah. I've never, I've never seen one go belly up once you stabilize. The risk is in the lease up, but it's a great business because um, a guy like me, could get in it and I didn't have to worry about, you know, I'm going to need $300,000, this mm. year for capital improvements and commissions. Yeah. 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 You yeah. Just don't have that. What is, uh, on, I think on your model, you're uh, doing it uh, as a syndication, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's similar on, on like multifamily with the same acquisition fee, 2%, 1%. Or is the actual structure for fees as a sponsor or as an operator is different than multifamily? Well, you can set them up any way you want. Um, I didn't take acquisition fees. Hmm. Um, now, if I was running a fund, I probably would. and Probably every year, but I, I, I'm not a, in the fund business. Um, I still, I primarily, 